hate this show. I hate this director. I don't like this script. I'm sitting backstage and I'm like, I don't want to go out there. There are four people in the audience. It's rainy. It's cold. This sucks. And I was like, Trevor, how can you make this worth the time? Like what, what break, what breakthrough is here for you? And so uh, I went out and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to take this energy out there. This is my truth right now. That's what it is. And I walked on stage and I was just like, well, here I am. Uh, just because the script says I'm supposed to be afraid right now or I'm supposed to laugh or I'm supposed to dance doesn't mean I can't do jumping jacks. Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast where we tell the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. I'm Michael Lutheran and today in episode 46, our host Daniel Tuttle is back with our second part of our Act One conversation with voiceover artist, actor, co-host of the Inside Acting Podcast, or as I simply like to put it, my friend, Trevor Algott. We share Trevor's approach to the acting industry when he first moved to LA, embracing the approach of letting go in one's performance in pursuit of an authentic experience, and he breaks down for us the science of a morning routine. All that and a lot more coming to you today in episode 46. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 46. It is so good to be with you guys today speaking with Trevor. I have been listening to the Inside Acting podcast for as long as I've almost been in Los Angeles. I just celebrated my six-year LA anniversary as of February 20th. I moved down here on February 20th of 2012. And on the 21st, I was able to walk into my the medical office where I still actually work today and after a couple weeks of scanning medical records from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, you can bet that I was needing of some kind of inspiration. And I remember just sitting in the break room of my office, scanning, 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 and I, and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I just Googled uh, Actor Podcast Los Angeles, and I found Inside Acting, and I started listening to their podcast and it has been one of the essential parts of my life and sustaining me as an actor and as a creative down here. Uh, Trevor and his co-host AJ Meyer, together they have done a magnificent job over all these years and uh, dedicated to actors as well as filmmakers and over the years I've had the pleasure of building a relationship with Trevor and AJ, and they are two of some of the absolute best people I've met here in Los Angeles, and so humbled and so excited to be sharing them on this podcast, Hollywood Hustle. Now, just a couple things that I wanted to address real quick. I know Daniel mentioned it last week, but I also want to welcome our new associate producer, Gordon Meacham, to Team Hustle. He's going to be actually helping me out with audio notes as I get prepped for to edit the episodes. And he's also going to be assisting Daniel as well with helping find new and funny content to share on our social media platforms. Gordon and I go way back to Studio 301 at UC Davis. Uh, I first remember meeting him uh, just after doing a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And that was all the way back in 2009, I want to say. So it's really cool to kind of see this all come full circle and really excited to what he's going to be able to contribute to the team already. My stress load is lessened, so that's always a good thing, right? I also wanted to thank Daniel for sharing with us his truth in last week's episode 
regarding the recent tragedy that befell the students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Now, I'm not going to go into big spiel about it because I think Daniel said it perfectly. And he is someone who is a father, and so, and I know he has to make the decision in the coming years to where to send his son to school. And a tragedy like this is not something that a parent should have to think about when thinking about where, what school is safe for my child. So uh, I'm going to leave everything that I would say to what Daniel said last week because he said it perfectly. And I just wanted to thank you, Daniel, for being vulnerable and for sharing your thoughts with us. As, as we always you know, say, we're not a political podcast. We're a community of artists. And I think art is a big way to help heal wounds, but to also kind of give us an idea of where we should go as we step into the future. So I, I couldn't be more grateful to have Daniel as, as my uh, best friend down here to be doing this podcast with. And um, I thought he just put it perfectly. So thank you, Daniel, for being honest with us and for giving us some insight into what you're going through in this moment. Uh, you know, thinking about his son and everything and what these students have been doing uh, with the protests and everything. It is clear to me that the youth, as they always have been, are the key to our future, not only to this country, but I think the world. And I think if, you know, the, the young people keep being active and speaking out, I think we can make a positive impact in people's lives. So thank you, Daniel, for sharing your thoughts with us. As I mentioned, though, uh, at the beginning of this, I did just celebrate my six-year LA anniversary. Uh, just wanted to share real quick how I celebrated. I actually went solo up to the Hollywood sign. I went on a hike. I was able to get a lot done that day and do a lot of reflection, but I waited until the sun was starting to set. Uh, around 4.40, 5 o'clock, I got to... Uh, the trail that I wanted to go on, and I, I, I did the whole hike by myself. I ran parts of the way, and that wore me out a little bit. But the entire time, just taking in the sights and sounds of this part of Los Angeles that's become famous. Everyone knows the picture of the Hollywood sign, but I think it's very symbolic of the actual journey of being an artist in Los Angeles because everyone has the idea of the Hollywood sign and the fame and the glory and everyone sees it, but they don't think of how hard it is to get up there and they don't think of how steep it can sometimes be. And, you know, at the beginning of the trail, I thought it would be a good idea for me to try and catch the sun. So I kind of sprinted parts of the way and quickly wore myself out I feel like there's a metaphor to my these past six years of Los Angeles in there somewhere, but it was just a really nice moment to reflect and to be by myself in nature. Uh, in Los Angeles, it's sometimes hard to be surrounded by nature, but this was really, really nice. And seeing the sunset over the city that I've grown to love and call home, it was a beautiful experience and exactly the way I wanted to commemorate these past, uh, you know, few years of being in LA, but also look at what's ahead to see what's on the horizon. 
And I did record some sound uh, while I was doing the hike. Uh, currently, I've recorded it on my phone, so I have to still listen to it and see if it's of good quality. But I hope to bring that to you uh, in the coming weeks. Maybe I'll throw it together as a mini episode of my LA anniversary. So I look forward to sharing that with you guys here in a couple weeks. But speaking of sharing the hustle, uh, we want to remind you that we want to share your hustle, whether that be a picture or a video of you on set or preparing for an audition, writing a poem or practicing vocals for a new song that you want to record or rocking out on your favorite instrument. The list is endless. As artists, every day is a hustle of defining your work and the value you want to bring to people's lives. And that, I think, is the Hollywood hustle. And we want to share that. So um, on social media, please tag us in your posts. We're on Twitter. We're at LA HustleCast. Or on Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. We're also on Facebook at that same address. Or you could also email us your pictures or videos or songs or audio to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com and we will share them and we will certainly tag you and your post and we'll also provide the hashtag keep up the hustle. This podcast is about building community and value and we, Daniel and I, full-heartedly believe that all boats rise with the tide approach to success. So we want to be there to support you. Now, speaking of community, we were actually contacted recently by a filmmaker who follows us by the name of Jordan Kelly Parrott, and he sent us this audio clip uh, that we'd like to share with you about the Kickstarter campaign that he has launched for his post-apocalyptic short film, A Wasteland Tale. Here's Jordan. Hi, I'm Jordan Kelly Parrott. I am the writer and director of a new post-apocalyptic action short film called A Wasteland Tale, now live on Kickstarter. In a vast nuclear wasteland, the nomadic wanderer must track down the pair of scavengers who stole her supplies and fend off the deadly gang of cannibals hell-bent on having them all for dinner. You can check out our campaign on kickstarter.com. We have a lot of great rewards for our backers, including behind-the-scenes vlogs, a Blu-ray with special features and commentary, props and wardrobe from the film, and much more. Check out our page, get to know the cast and crew, and decide if a wasteland tale is a project you want to support. Thank you so much, Jordan. Please, everyone, visit his Kickstarter page. We'll include a link of his campaign in our show notes for this episode, as well as share it on our social media. He is trying to reach a goal of $12,000, and he's currently raised over $2,000 so far, with 20 days, as of this recording, left to go. I watched the video where Jordan shares a taste of what the film will be, as well as introducing the cast and crew he's assembled. This project looks fantastic, and Jordan is doing it the right way, bringing in artists that he's worked with in the past, as well as bringing in new artists for a story that he and everyone involved is passionate about. We know what that Kickstarter hustle is like, so please, if you have some money to help someone make their dream a reality, support this project. This is an all-or-nothing project on Kickstarter, so if he doesn't reach his goal, he's not going to get any of it, so any donation you can give him will be greatly appreciated. Well, it is time that we get to today's interview. We're back for a second half of our extended Act 1 discussion with Trevor Algott. As you found out in our previous episode, Trevor is a man of truth and honesty, and he shared with us his hustle of transitioning away from acting during this new season of his life. We continue this discussion as Daniel explores the steps Trevor took when he first arrived in Los Angeles to pursue acting, from headshots to the process of booking representation 
and how doing theater connected him to his tribe of creatives. He speaks about the power of letting go during a performance to play the truth of a moment, and as he puts it, just do jumping jacks. We also dive into Inside Acting Podcast, a show that has been essential to my life and here in Los Angeles, and Trevor drops some major news by the end of this episode, so please stick around for that and more. And as Trevor always says on Inside Acting, I'll catch you on the other side. Take it away, Daniel. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Welcome back. We are still here with the one, the only. I'm sorry. What was your name again? Just kidding. Uh, Trevor Algott from Inside <laughs> Acting Podcast. Actor, uh, that guy, writer, that that swimmer, uh, uh, a man of many epiphanies. Ladies and gentlemen, Trevor Algott is back with us. Thank you so much for staying with us for a little longer. Yeah, my, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's kind of talk about you've moved to L.A. We kind of talked about that last time. Uh, your your rising uh, passion for theater and film and, and acting and and the entertainment and creative stuff. Uh, so you're in L.A., you've landed, you've kind of found kind of a steady point. What what's the first things you do to pursue acting? I love I love the way you put that. Like, I wish it felt like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I oh, well, I think. Again, I, you know, Craigslist was my first mm-hmm. sort of big series of mistakes, but that did lead to some, you know, valuable experiences. But right. I think that the, uh, the big turning point after that was once I started working at Apple, I met, uh, a guy who's a good friend of mine now, his name's Tom Burmester and he's a, he had just gotten his MFA in, uh, directing for theater mm-hmm. from, from UCLA. Nice. And, um, we were both working at the Apple store and he had just started this theater company. And so I had this in uh right away with this really great theater company doing really great work tom is um i he's probably not certified mensa but i think he's that smart he's just iq off the charts smart compassionate guy and um i got a chance to work with with them that was awesome just to have a community right away and and, an ability and an outlet to be doing consistent work i really lucked out in getting involved with a fantastic group of people that's awesome yeah as a theater ensemble yeah nice and so uh as you said, that's where you did War Story, correct? Oh, uh, the War Cycle. Yeah, yeah War Cycle. Sorry, war, yeah. the War Story. Uh, that one story about war, just that one. Um, so did you kind of, what was, you know, did you do headshots? Did you do, put a reel together? Did you try to look for management? Like kind of what, you know, did you do that kind of administrative stuff when you moved here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh, I think I put together a reel from like a bunch of still photos from theater shows that I had uh, from <laughs> nice. college. And, uh, I, that was like my, I didn't know what a reel was looked like. We're supposed to be. So my first one was like six minutes and it was just photos and music and right. quotes from like the school newspaper. Nice. And, uh, I shopped that around to a few people. And I think one guy on Craigslist that I had met a manager, um, said was like, Hey, actually th- this looks good. You know how to market yourself. Let's work together. And he wanted me to get into fitness modeling and mm. I wasn't really interested in that. Right. But I was like, Hey, if it, if it can get me some money, great. That never got off the ground. But, uh, I met some teachers and some photographers and stuff through him and we eventually became more friends than just than just uh than than the professional relationship and so we ended up not really working together professionally but uh i still talk to him from time to time nice but yeah that kind of led to things i think another big turning point was when i was in college i took a few months one summer to study with the new york stage and film company uh, in new york at vassar college and i met a bunch of really cool people through that Got to do some cool things there. And uh, this one chick, her name was Anna. Cornucopia? Yeah. Cornucopia. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm blanking her last name. It's been like a decade since I've talked to her. Kendrick? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, I ran into her out here at Trader Joe's. Hmm. And she was like, Trevor? And I was like, yeah. And um, we ended up, uh, you know, just connecting, just catching up. And she's like, yo, I'm doing this showcase. You should come do the showcase. It's like 500 bucks to sign up. And I was like, whoa, I ain't trying to pay money to have people look. Everybody says you shouldn't do that. And she was like, bullshit. You have to invest in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's going to cost. There's a startup cost to every business. And so I can see a legit argument for both sides of that. But I decided to put the money down. I did uh, did that showcase with her. I did a scene and a night of scenes and uh, got my first manager through that. My first official manager. Oh, fantastic. And then uh, she got me my very first agent. Um crazy stories that i'm not sharing here about how the universe works but again it was like this is too perfect right we don't have time for it but uh it was just like okay i think this is where i'm being guided to well i mean a good lesson though in there in there is that a lot of your stepping stones was through your connections with other people all of them and that's that's a huge thing here is is being open and we've talked to i mean endless amounts of time on this podcast about saying yes to opportunities and being open to meeting people and not being a dirtbag and like, you know, everybody can be a connection that can help you. Now, don't just see them like that. Like, see them as friends and people and like people to build relationships with. But, you know, anybody you meet could be someone that could help you in your career down the road. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to be coming from that place of willing to help them. Mm-hmm. Like, like the first question should not be, and it, tragically it is for so many of us. It was for me, me a long time was, oh, cool. Well, how can I use you mm-hmm. to forward my interests? And it's like. Nobody cares about what you want. Right. They only care about what they want. But if we can practice just coming at it and being like, hey, how can I make your life a little bit better, a little bit easier? Right. Even if it's something as simple as like, dude, your beard is fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, like that that can go a long way with, Absolutely. with people. So, uh, and, and it, it is, by the way. That, so you, you kind of had the real, uh, did you do new headshots when you moved here? Eventually. Yeah. Okay. At some point. Yeah. Do you have Do you have any suggestions or tips for people who are looking to get headshots done? Uh, what price that you think they should possibly pay, um, what mindset they should go into when they go get headshots done that you, for you personally? Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh, it's been a long time since I've shot, uh, photos Mm -hmm. a few years at least, but, um, yeah, I would say prepare to spend between two and 400 bucks, um, research the photographer, um, beforehand, obviously look at their portfolio, but also ask around Mm -hmm. if anybody's shot with them. Um, there's a lot of, I feel like scammy headshot people out there that are going to charge you 800 bucks and, you know, color coordinate your eyes with your shirt and all like, I mean, that's fine, I guess. But like, I just don't think you need to be putting that kind of money into your photos if you're not at a level where you feel super specific, where you're passing on, you know, um, co-star roles and only going for guest stars and things like Like, there may be a time for that, but yeah, I would do that. And then, um, and I would really like the next set of photos I get, if I do get photos, it's like, I want to meet the headshot headshot photographer beforehand, or at least talk to them and see how we jive. Cause nothing's worse than a two or three hour session with somebody that you don't like, or that is super awkward or they're, they're not, they're not with you in such a way that they're bringing out the best in you. you right. Know? Like you got to have that, that energy. Cause that'll come across in your photos. If you're yeah. feeling stiff and awkward and oppressed by their energy or their personality, mm-hmm. you, you're going to get shitty photos. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You want to make sure that the, it streams well between both of you, like the, the, the connections there so yeah. that it's a easy flow when it comes to taking photos. You're relaxed. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest yeah. thing is being relaxed in yourself and then possibly, you know, one of the things I've talked to Michael before is, you know, finding what your type is 
and like what roles are you going for mm-hmm. and maybe bring outfits that kind of fit that look in a yeah. lot of ways are you the nerdy IT guy what would that look like generically on TV yeah you know yeah or are you trying to be a superhero okay come wear maybe a muscle shirt show how so show some of your body yeah you know stuff like that yeah exactly um, yeah yeah i think to, yeah I, I agree with the price $400 i wouldn't pay anything more than that yeah i wouldn't go higher you can that, find yeah. good headshots for between 200 and 400 especially these days the cameras these days man are just sick you don't have to be a photographer at all to take amazing photos and the the amount of people that have become photographers at the same time there's a thousand you just find them you could literally just go on instagram type in headshots and you'd probably find 18 headshot photographers in your area that you can look at their stuff and pick one yeah you know yeah um did you now you said you got representation you got a manager and agent Mm -hmm. um out of that what was, you know, what was your relationship with them like, uh, you know, as you worked with them? Did you guys become close? Did it stay very professional? Uh, I, I know we've had somebody on before who became really good friends with their agent. And they even when they left, they're still good friends with them. Um, you know, what was that like for you? And did that help in your career? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely in the, the second category with my agent uh, right now. The manager dropped me soon after I signed with the agent because I just wasn't booking. Right. Uh, and that's fine. Um and the agent and I, our first meeting, we just ended up talking about food and sports the whole mm-hmm. time. And then he was like, oh, yeah, you uh, you have a reel or a scene you can show me? And so uh, I had shot this scene that I had adapted from a one-act play with my friend Anna. Actually, it was the same scene I did in that showcase. And I would filmed it with a friend of mine who was a filmmaker from Apple. And I showed my agent that one scene, which was like a minute and a half. And he was like, yeah, that looks good. You know, let's work together. And um, I have been working with him for, gosh, ever since, like nine or ten years now, maybe longer. And, um, yeah, it's been good. We're, we're probably better friends than we are, you know, agent actors, uh, relationship, but, um, yeah, we've, we've had dinners together and we've shared, you know, these sort of, uh, details of our lives with each, each other. And yeah, he's a good guy. I, I don't, I'm not really doing much acting these days, so I don't see him very often. And I've told him that, you know, it's not really my focus right now. And so every once in a while he sends me a, a notice for something. It's like, do this if you want to Trevor right. and normally I'm like I don't want to What's, I mean but it's nice you have that relationship of kind of like he understands where you're at and is still there beside you and yeah. just kind of hey this is here you do what you want with it and if you want to do it that's great you know, yeah not totally understand and that, I think that's important I think it's important to have that relationship with your agent and your manager or yeah either or it's know? it's pretty cool he I went to tell him we we I walked into his office and I said I was gonna tell him I'm done with this. We don't need to work together anymore. You can take me off your roster. And he talked me out of it. And he was like, I believe in you. You have everything it takes. You have all these materials and experience lined up. You have so much going for you. He's like, let me just keep submitting you because the next job, it could be my inbox right now. That could be your serious regular job that gets you 70 grand a week. It's like, do you want to give that up or do you want to just leave that door open right now? And I was like, Okay, so like who, what Asian like in L.A. would fight for you to stay like that? You know, like that's right. that's when you know you found somebody who's on your team. Absolutely. That's and I think it's important. That, I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be your team, yeah. the people that you count on to back you up. Yeah. And so that's, that's great that you have that. Um, so you kind of talked about the uh, theater ensemble earlier uh, that you joined and uh, doing uh, War Cycle. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Um, how important was that in your journey in LA being a part of that ensemble and how, you know, when you, what did that offer you and give you as an actor, and as a person? Totally. So huge having a community, uh, sort of artistic family and a creative home. 
Uh, I got to be involved with uh, every aspect of theater making from painting and building sets to striking to doing some writing to improvising scenes to help inform the script to uh, hanging out with people to uh, running sound and productions and, and all sorts of stuff. I got to do it all and right. it was really fun. Uh, we had some really good stuff that we did and we had some stuff that I am glad nobody ever saw. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the theater ensemble really is no more. But uh, if I hadn't had that consistent space, that consistent sandbox to play in, I don't think I would have grown as an actor the way I did. Uh, I talked earlier about sort of coming at it from a very choreographed place. I right. came and I was like, I am this super polished actor and my performance is this consistent and through just doing so much work on stage with actors, with scripts that were good and bad directors who were great and not great uh, and all those different directing styles and me on my own personal journey of starting to wonder if this was really the thing that still lit my fire. I got to a point where it was just like, I don't, I, I, I want to go out there and just have an authentic experience. I want to have a moment on stage with somebody. I remember really specifically it was one show that shall remain nameless. And I was like, I hate this show. I hate this director. I don't like the scripts. I'm sitting backstage and I'm like, I don't want to go out there. There are four people in the audience. It's rainy. It's cold. This sucks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Trevor, how can you make this worth the time? Like what, what break, what breakthrough is here for you? Right. And so uh, I went out and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to take this energy out there. This is my truth right now. That's what it is. And I walked on stage and I was just like, well, here I am. Uh, Just because the script says I'm supposed to be afraid right now or I'm supposed to laugh or I'm supposed to dance doesn't mean I can't do jumping jacks. Right. That's way more interesting. I'm going to try that. And so I didn't literally do jumping jacks, but like I brought that energy to it. Right. And that's the kind of thing like, like you guys have seen There Will Be Blood, right? Yeah. I don't know if um, that scene where Daniel Day-Lewis is in the restaurant or the bar and these kind of guys are like talking about him and he takes a napkin off the table and drapes it over his head and mm-hmm. sort of talks with this napkin. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was that was that a directorial choice? Was that in the <laughs> script or was that him just doing like Who this knows? is whatever it was is brilliant because I in my you know fantasy world, Daniel Day-Lewis was like this is what feels like my truth right now. I know it makes no sense, but that's what people do in real life. They do weird, stupid, crazy, nonsensical shit. And yeah. that's the interesting texture of, of a human being. So that's where I found that through this work with the theater ensemble. That was probably the other best thing aside from the community and the experience. Right. Yeah. I think I, yeah, there's a really great, I'm reading um, this uh, book called anatomy of story. This is uh, John Truby. And okay. uh, basically one of the things he talks about, he kind of talks about actors a little bit in it. And he talks about, being natural and how the worst actors are the ones that really pinpoint everything they're going to do on stage and on set, yep. not letting the connection yeah. and the relationship form what happens. And, you know, they learn, they, I'm going to say the line this way. And it's like, no, it, it can be said 30,000 different ways. Yeah. You just have what fits in that moment. And he, he brings it up to talk about writing, how you need to let it flow and not detail force everything and just let it be what it is. Yeah, um, I think you need to go through that technical phase where no, you're absolutely. like you're so set on being perfect technically, but once you evolve beyond that, it's like then you've got a great yeah, foundation. Well, you just said it's it's an evolution. Yeah, every you grow from your life is a, a step after a step after a step, and each part brings you to a different part, and yeah. you have to go through that to get to that next that next level. Yeah. Um. So kind of let's go into acting a little bit more. You know, Bones, A Thousand Ways to Die. You know, how did you get them? What was the audition process for some of them like? 
Um, you know, what was it like being on set for some of them? Oh, actually, those two were very different. That was yeah. Ways to Die versus Bones because yeah. one of them was non-union. I think I made three hundred bucks on right. that shoot. Uh, another show called uh, Diagnosis X. Right, that was also a three hundred dollar a day thing. Oh, nice. Um, I enjoyed those. Like they were fun, but there's a big difference between union and non-union what, shoots. What, yeah, can you kind of go through kind of the different for you? The different what was different about them for you? Yeah, on non-union shoots, it's like you're part of the family, everybody's sort of moving lights and whatnot. Like there's just no rules. Like there's the basics are covered, you know, catering, you have somebody call, you know, dealing with costumes and wardrobe and call times and all that, but it's still like a family affair. Right. Um, and it feels very sort of bootstrapped. The, uh, union gigs are amazing because you're treated like royalty. When I worked on bones for a day, I had no lines, Mm. no lines. I was, uh, I was just a guy that died in the show. Like, you know, every episode they find a dead body. I was the dead body. Except you you got to be the bones. Yeah, but I didn't even have to get to be the bones because (laughs) my bones were found in a garbage shredder or something like that at the Ah. beginning. So I was not even, I was like a fake rubber bone (laughs) shoe thing. Um, There's a joke there somewhere. You need to post a picture of it with like your tagged on Instagram, Trevor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Uh, I I think I did film like some security footage towards the end of the day, but Mm -hmm. I had a... A uh, PA assigned to me. I had my own trailer oh. room. Um, I had like a spot at the catering table. Like I, I was treated like royalty, and I had zero lines. Wow! And I just spent the whole day waiting. I think it was a fourteen-hour day. It was there at like six a.m. and I wasn't done till like eight or nine at night. Wow! And um, and I just like sat around and hung out. And this PA was just sitting outside my trailer like the whole day. I felt so bad for her. I was like, <laughs> "You can go do other stuff." She's like, "No, no, it's cool." And then she would just sit there and wait to be like wait to hear when they needed me. Yeah. She's, that was her. And for 12 of those 14 hours, I wasn't needed. And so, right. Yeah. That's so it was, crazy. it was a big difference, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy and proud to be part of the union. Was, was the, um, uh, uh, what's the best way to say that was the feeling on set and the, the work on set, I guess it was about the environment. Sorry. That's what I was trying. Was the environment on set for the union, um, similar to the non-union or was there a big difference in how the environment felt and how people were treated maybe um, that, that you noticed? Yeah. People were still pretty, res- I mean, people are cool on, on both, but right. the union gig definitely felt like a level of professional, you know I mean? I I've worked a few union gigs um, and, right. uh, and I, I don't mind, I don't necessarily mind non-union gigs. They're mm-hmm. great. I still sneak them in every once in a while, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's just nice to be paid right. and treated the way you are on a union right. gig. I'm sure it's treated like you are the star, but you're you're there for a non-being role. And, and so many people have fought so hard to get those rights for mm. for actors, and Absolutely. so it's like I don't take that for granted. What do you feel? Uh, you did prank my mom. Yeah. And I remember watching this footage. I Most believe stressful you were, job I've ever. You were had. a yoga instructor, yeah. I believe. Can yeah. you kind of go through what that was, what how that went, and because it's a it's a hidden camera show, yeah, um, where you're pr- somebody hired this company to prank their mother, um, and you play like an overly sexual uh, yoga person. I yeah, believe. yeah. Basically, uh, can, can you just kind of run through that? Like, I mean, obviously, this can be a different setting than Bones, and you know, something that's a narrative. Kind of go through that process, how you got the part, and what the process on set was. Yeah. That was the most stressful job I've ever had mm-hmm. ever. And I, I, they invited me back cause they wanted to form like a troop of like consistent actors that would just consistently do these pranks, you know, over the course of a season. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, after that day, I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this is not for me. <laughs> it was so stressful. So maybe it was because I was this 
overly sexual, suggestive right. guys. So these these girls are like, you know, 13, 14 years old. And they they bring their mom into this situation where there's a bunch of actors. And, mm-hmm. and I was the lead actor. And I'm like using their daughter. We did like five or six mothers throughout the course of the day, mm-hmm. like mother-daughter pairs. And, uh, you know, I, I, in the, I've got an earpiece in this little tiny earpiece, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, they've got cameras all around and they're a van outside and they're, they're basically watching and they're, they're feeding me most of my lines right. and telling me what to do and when to do it. So I feel like the third or fourth one, I had started to get the hang of it, mm-hmm. but the first few times it was like, you're waiting for them to give you a line and they don't, and you're just standing there in front of people and everybody's an actor and everybody's in on it except right. the mom. Right. And she's looking at you and that you've been played up by the daughter. Mm-hmm. Like in this case, I was this world renowned yoga teacher. And this mm-hmm. was my very last U.S. class before going off to the mountains somewhere to achieve <laughs> enlightenment. And it's like this really like exclusive thing. And and so the pressure was like super high. Right. And, uh, and then, of course, I need I need a uh, a student to help me demonstrate some moves. And so I call on the daughter and she comes up and then I'm putting her in all these awful, awkward sexual (laughs) positions and like moan, like, and they're in my ear the whole time. These guys Mm -hmm. telling me to take it further, go further, like Mm -hmm. moan now, bend her over now do this. And she's got an earpiece too. So she's hearing all this, but again, she's like 13 and the mom is (laughs) two feet away from me and I'm sweating bullets. Cause that's anybody who knows me knows that I am like proper and polite to a fault. Like I am the first one to, to like, (laughs) <laughs> like back <laughs> off because I don't want anything to be awkward. I don't want to offend anybody. Right. And so this was really difficult for me. So yeah, finally that day was over. Uh, and then, uh, and it aired and, and even the casting director like sent me a text message and she was like, I hope you're watching this. It's so hilarious. And it turned out well, but yeah. I, I would it was never, funny. I remember watching it. Yeah. I, it was funny, but I can definitely understand the awkwardness hey, of it. Certain actors are built for that kind of work. Right. Not, not me. What do you feel, uh, is the most important thing about being on set as an actor to make sure that you have a great time and you are seen in a great light by the people running the set. Be happy to be there. Um, I have worked on so many sets, union and non-union, where the actors, extras especially, just complain, 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 complain uh, about whatever they can complain about. Or they get to get it. See, complaining is like the lowest common denominator of connecting with a stranger. And it's just so easy to get with another actor and complain about how hard it is and how it's too hot and how the craft services table sucks and how you're here past your whatever's and how the audition was horrible and how that director's kind of a tightwad. Like it's easy to go there. And that's a great way to never get hired again. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to ensure that you not only have a bad experience, but then contaminate the entire energy of the set. And, um, you're on a set, you're working. Like, I don't understand what the problem is, <laughs> you know? Uh, so uh, that would be my number. My, I would say the number one thing is to be easy to work with and take a leadership role when it comes to the energy on the set, like mm-hmm. show up and, and be happy to be there, be helpful, be uh, excited and don't put up with the complainers. Mm-hmm. Like just remove yourself from that situation and go hang out with the people who are hustling and doing stuff and making stuff. Cause you become friends with them and they'll bring you to their next project and next project. I mean, people hire their friends. That's the way the industry works. It's repeat business. Right. So don't hang out with people that are going to complain <laughs> and don't be one of those people. No, I think it's a really good yeah. talk. I think it's a good tip. I think that it's, it's easy to be nice to people. I don't understand people that, just can't be nice to other well, people. Yeah, we know we all have those inner people pleasers, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's the lowest common denominator, easiest thing that we have in common is, oh, isn't life hard? Yeah. Isn't this awful? 
it's like everybody can agree that there's tough things in life and that's just the easiest way to get in. Whereas if you're like, man, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? People look at you suspiciously immediately. Yeah. Like, what's he, what's he trying to sell me? Wait, you know? Oh, I'm, I remember easily like I, I can, I love just talking to random people. Like I can be in line at a grocery store and just chat with the person next to me that I don't know about anything. Just find something to talk about. And I remember like being on a bus sometimes when I would have to drive, ride a bus to school or to, to my job. And like, if you try to talk to somebody, they look at you like, why are you talking to me? Yeah. And it's like, can we not connect to people yeah. in person anymore? Does it have to be like, I may, like, I can look at all your photos on Instagram and like everything. <laughs> we'll talk on Instagram, but I say <laughs> hi to you on a bus and I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Like yeah. we live in this weird, like voracious society now yeah. where it's got to be anonymous. Yeah. In a lot of ways. It's really uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. There's a lot of studies show that the more news you watch, the more TV you watch, the more suspicious you are of your neighbors and strangers and whatnot. So like what I, I the first thing I've done or what I try to practice doing is unplugging from that stuff. And when I go out into the world, I don't see a dangerous place anymore. I see just people that are trying to put food on the table and be happy like me. And right. that helps, you know, but and it also helps. I poisoned like, your water. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I felt funny. <laughs> well, anyway, to dangerous yeah. places. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah, again, it's like it's going to be uncomfortable at first, but eventually you'll find your tribe. You will attract those people that are working and hustling. I mean, the people that are working in this industry and finding consistent success are not complainers. Right. They're the people who are seeing the bright side, who are hustling, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. doing the Hollywood hustle. And I think so. I think it's important to have a goal in your career to be a person that people talk favorably about. Yeah. Like that needs to be a goal is that when you're offset and you're done, you want that PA, you want that director, you want that light guy or sound guy to be like, that guy was really easy to work with. And bring like, him back. Yeah. Bring her back. Yeah. Bring them back. And yeah. Even if it's not about that, it's just like you, that sound guy can go home a little more relaxed because you were easy to work with. Yeah. And that not to mention, be, yeah. and they show up on a, on a day and they're stressed out and yeah. they're like, Oh, thank God. Daniel's here. Thank yeah. God. Michael's here. I know they're going to be on their yeah. a game. Yeah. Like, they're going to be on their a game. They're not going to bother me when I don't need to be bothered. Yeah. Like, they're not, they not going to complain. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I walk anywhere, people are like, Oh, thank God. Daniel's here. I feel like that's just natural. <laughs> it's just story reaction. of your life. Yeah. Just a natural reaction. Yeah. Even if they don't know me, they know me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're just. Oh, thank God that guy walked into the store right now because we needed it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't have a mic. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. Oh, this thing's on. Shush. <laughs> I'm not at home in front of my mirror. So you teach voiceover acting, right? Or uh, voiceover work. I yeah yeah. I, I'm How a, did you get involved yeah. in that and? Come uh, at you hard. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I I have the great honor of facilitating and coaching uh, people through the VO to go go curriculum, which oh, nice. is a, a entire, you know, zero to hero, like Just knowing like nothing to professional working voiceover artist curriculum. It's 36 modules. It takes about a year to go through, if, oh, wow. you know, if you take your time with it. Um, and I uh, coach that. Um, it was put together by a guy named David H. Lawrence, 17th. There are 16 other David H. Lawrence's on IMDb. That's why he is David H. Lawrence, the 17th. Everyone always asks me, like, is he really the 17th? Like, (laughs) technically on IMDb, yes, he is. Um, He still refers to himself that way every time he calls me, which is funny to me. Because I'm like, I know know which one you are. I know who you are. Um, We we talk all the time. Yeah. It's not like some other David H. Lawrence is randomly calling me. Yeah. No, but he's a a wonderful guy. He's very generous, very smart. He is certified Mensa, Mm -hmm. speaking of Mensa, like my friend. Tom, who I suspect is Mensa. David technically is Mensa. So uh, I learn a lot from him as a, as a friend, as a mentor, as a, as a teacher. 
as an actor. Nice. And um, yeah, so I teach his curriculum. I coach online and in-person workouts each month. Nice. How, how, how has that benefited? It sounds terrible, but like, how has that benefited you? Like, what have you gotten out of that being able to teach others and, and kind of share the knowledge you have? We well, you know it boils down to something that David said to me when he first asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a long sort of origin story of how I got involved with him. Mm-hmm. Another story that we probably don't have time for, <laughs> but, um, we're going to have to do an episode. That's just Trevor stories. Trevor stories. And it's just him, <laughs> just you with a cigarette and in like a dark studio. I in front of a mic. Just one time I worked with yeah. the great David H. Lawrence. the seventeenth. <laughs> do you have four days? everyone? <laughs> Cause I know how to talk. I really do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we sat down and he said, I had love for you to teach the Hollywood arm of this is like four years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd love to teach you the Hollywood arm of, of my classes so I can focus my energies on just the Burbank arm. And right. he was starting to build out like a network of teachers and, and coaches and whatnot. And I said, David, I, I think you got the wrong guy. I don't think I'm qualified mm-hmm. to do this. And he just said, I'll never forget it. He said, what if your qualifications were that I chose you? And it was like, <laughs> my mind blew up and I was like, I got nothing. Okay. It like, like something like Jesus would say it was a to big, like one it of was his a, disciples. Yeah. It was <laughs> a big lesson in, in self-worth and in, yeah. in believing in myself and taking owner, ownership of what other people saw in me that yeah. I didn't see in myself. Well, I think that goes to, you know, when you like give certain people compliments and like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not, I don't look good in this dress. And you're like, no, you look great in that dress or you look good. You look good. You've lost weight. No, I, I haven't. I haven't. And it's like. Just take it. Take the compliment. I know. Like, that, that's, know the, that's the gift you have to give back to someone who's giving you a compliment. Yeah. You accept like, it. And it's like, hey, no, you're you're doing good. Like, even if you don't believe it, just smile and say thank you. Like, it's like, oh, thank you so much. Even if you're like, if somebody was like, this is, you know, I love this episode. And I'm like, that's the worst episode we've ever recorded. I'm not going to be like, no, that's a terrible story. Why would you like that episode? And it's like, no, just. They have their own opinions. Let them have their opinions and smile. Yeah. And, let, and give them the gift of giving yeah. you a gift. Yeah. yeah. You steal thank it from so them much. when you deny it, when you reject it like thank that. Thank you so you much. Know? I think yeah. you're complete garbage, but thank you. Thank you yeah, so much. Right, right. <laughs> and plus, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm the kind of guy, it's like when somebody says something nice to me, in the moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. I think about that all day and I'll go home and be like, did they really mean that? Is that could that be true about myself? <laughs> so it makes a big di- little offhanded things make a huge difference absolutely. in my life. And I imagine that a lot of people are like that. No, so absolutely. you never know how far a kind word can go. So uh, let's talk about what I'm sure everybody's waiting for us to talk about. The young and the restless. Uh, oh God, are you serious? <laughs> no, is that on here? Oh, no, it is, but I'm, that's not what okay. I'm about. All right, uh, let's let's talk about Inside Acting. Uh, it's a yeah. podcast that you produce, you co-host with uh, AJ Meyer, who we're also having an interview with later on. How did you guys? Now we got it from him. Uh, technically, we got it from you first, but now he's first because we're re-recording. So how how did you? What is your version of the story of how you guys met and kind of how the podcast came about? Yeah, um, I'll try and keep this brief. Uh, met AJ when I was working at Apple, uh, also part of the theater ensemble. So we got to know each other. And I had been listening to another podcast called Everything Acting, which is run by two sort of middle-aged women in New York City. And I was really getting a lot out of that podcast. If nothing else, then just like the inspiration that, hey, you can do it. It's it's a hustle. It's a long, you play the long game, you know, it's, mm-hmm. so I loved listening to that in the car, but I, I found myself not quite able to relate every, to everything they were saying because they weren't my demographic and they were in a different city. And I was like, why isn't there something like this in LA? And I was searching around and nobody had one. Again, this is nine, 10 years ago before everybody had a podcast. So um, I uh, was like, I could do this. You know, I work at Apple. I have the technical know-how. I have, I'm a musician. I have some of the equipment. I think I could do this. And so I was like, I need a co-host. 
And they immediately thought of AJ. And I was like, he's the only guy I could do this with. Uh, and I asked him and he said, yes, absolutely. And then they sort of went from there. I talked to my friend Doug, who uh, was into podcasting a little bit. And he helped me get set up with figuring out the technical stuff and gave me um, our, our mixing board, our first mixing board. And I invested in another mic. And then we kind of went from there and just failed forward until it became a thing that, you know, eventually... I got to know Michael through, and then now, of course, I've met you. So it's been one of the best things that I've ever done. How important is it and has it been for you guys, for you personally, to have a consistent collaborator like AJ uh, be a part of this, someone that you can constantly turn to and talk ideas out and really help grow the, the podcast from the first episode to now you're at 302 episodes? Um, how important was that? And how did you guys find a good working relationship? in this as a professional uh yeah really important in that i never would have kept with it if it was just me mm-hmm. uh i would have given up a long long time ago um i we balance each other really nicely aj and i and i think it's important to find somebody who compliments you who is strong where you're weak and you're weak you're strong where they're weak um <laughs> and you're and you're weak you're just weak you're weak and what a week it is yeah and what a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that that's been great um it's definitely been a journey of self-growth for me learning. I'm, I'm not naturally a collaborator. I'm naturally the lone wolf. I can do it best. Leave me alone. I'll take care of it. I'll sacrifice myself and do everything myself because nobody can do it better than me. Like that's sort of my default come from. And I constantly have to work against that mm-hmm. because A, it's not true. <laughs> and B, uh, because it's a lot easier if you let other people help and do things that they actually are better than you at. Mm-hmm. And uh, AJ is a giver that way. He just he knows how to work with people and I've have to constantly learn over and over and over how to work with other people. And he's just such a patient, loving soul. And I'm really lucky to have him uh, as a, as a sort of partner in crime and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the growth and the experience has been just sort of on a personal level for me. Um, and as far as the technical production of the podcast and things, it's having someone that can be there when you can't, who has a, a second set of ears that hear things that you don't, that can uh, advise you on things that are invisible to you, but then aren't invisible to them is, is huge. I so. really wish I had somebody like that working on the show. It's too bad you don't. I know. Yeah. I, I feel like the, I'm all alone. <coughs> Griffin's coughing. Yeah. Right now. The dog is loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Michael. Oh, hey, um, you know, one of the, you know, we had a, a, a production company on that's two guys that run a production company that work together and they brought up an interesting idea, uh, thought of the way they look at their relationship as, as coworkers. And I, since then I've kind of, whenever we talk to other collaborators, I like to ask this question because I think it's um, an interesting viewpoint on collaborating, especially in a professional environment. But pretty much they say when they started working that they could not be friends anymore, that it had to be business related. And because they didn't want friendship and uh, a professional to get muddled. Um, how are, do you feel that way with AJ? Are you guys more just professional collaborators who kind of have separate lives and come together for professional needs? Or do you see yourselves also as friends? And it, either or, how do you feel that helps the podcast itself and the creative stuff you guys do? That's a great question. Um, Thank you. Everybody, please calm down. Everybody, that is calm a, down. No, audience, please, that's a, like, please, because that's something that, yeah, <laughs> that's really something that I think anybody who goes into a creative partnership needs to consider. That, like, that is a, that's the number one way 
thing that will drive a wedge into your relationship mm-hmm. with that person is is uh, not getting that stuff sorted out. And mm-hmm. if I could do it all over again, I would definitely put that uh, think that thought process front and center as a as a top priority. Right. Because um, we have never really monetized the podcast in any sort of serious way. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got listener contributions, but like I've always just sort of handled it through my personal PayPal account, and I just try to sort of like um, allocate the money based on hours worked. Right. And I've always sort of shied away from making it into a product. Like you guys talking talking earlier about right. making Hollywood Hustle the sort of umbrella for your larger sort of right. creative projects, and I love that. And that was sort of my thought with Inside Acting as well. But that's hard, and um, I would start to you know in my earlier sort of less aware years, um, I would judge myself and judge AJ a lot for, you know, doing too much work, not doing enough work, not communicating. And most of it, in fact, I would venture to say 99% of it was my, um, stupid, stubborn controller, uh, trying to do things my way while not just asking for support because, Anyway, we don't need to go into psychoanalyzing me, but but I I, I just <laughs> once again we'll have a special yeah. episode down the yeah. road that's just psychoanalyzing Trevor I know. and listening to stories about uh, stories. Yeah. It'll be a really fascinating episode. Yeah, you hear myself beat <laughs> myself up for two hours. This is self-deprecation with yeah. Trevor. Okay. I am good at nothing if not that a one-man show. Uh, so so yeah, I think that's good. Uh, we we've never really quite fully gone there mm-hmm. uh, as a as a creative uh, team, AJ and I, and we. Could probably should at some point. Right. Um, maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Uh, I'll drop a bombshell on you guys right now. Nobody else really knows this except AJ and the team. Uh, I'm actually going to be stepping away from inside acting. Okay. Um, I've just kind of the past years was really, was really tough, sort of soul searching, reflective one for me. Right. And um, I've just come to a place where I realize that um, it just doesn't feel like the right for me anymore. I'm not done with podcasting necessarily the same. I'm not done with acting, but it's Mm -hmm. just time for me to move on and step into the unknown and see what's next. And so on the episode that's going to go live after this recording, um, we talk a little bit about that and AJ may take it over. He may not as of this recording, we're not really sure where it's going to go, but, um, it's been a really fun ride. Um, it was a tough decision to come to, but, um, I do feel a, a subtle sense of, I don't want to say relief, but just like, this feels like the right choice. Right. Um, it's hard to, to move away from something that's been so good. Right. But um, I mean, 302 episodes. I mean, you've, yeah. that's, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of years. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of energy and emotion and passion that you've put into it. So I can imagine like yeah. coming away from that has got to be tough. Yeah. You know? So much work goes into it. Uh, and I, I, the work for me has always been hard to start, mm-hmm. but easy to continue and, a joy to finish if that makes sense it's kind of like writers talking about how like they hate writing but they love having written right it's kind of like i hate podcasting but i love having podcasted in a way it's just hard to get myself to do it mm-hmm. but once i'm done i'm like oh man i love this thing i'm so grateful for it and i always feel that way mm-hmm. uh but um it's for on a deeper sort of broader soul level mm-hmm. it's just I'm in a new season and I don't know what the next, the rest of it looks like, but like I was sort of saying before, right. I, I don't know how to fake things anymore. And, and this, <laughs> this, it would be fake of me to continue right. doing this. Well, I mean, thank you for opening up and sharing that, um, breaking news. Uh, I guess you, you heard it, you heard it here second folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, uh, man, Oof. I know. I'm sorry. I should no, have like no, that's, prefaced I, that. No, or told I, that's, you. that's what this show's yeah. about. And, and that's, that's that's really that's really uh 
it's 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 a it's like I said earlier, you're a very aware person, and and knowing that, and being able to say, instead of staying doing something that's breaking you down, you you want to step away and find you, and I think that's important. You yeah, know? It, yeah. It, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you. Off. It wasn't no, no. great. I don't want to say it was breaking me no, down. No, 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 but no absolutely. It was, no. But you're like just not there, feeling it as hard. You know what I mean? Like as passionate as you were before. If, if I'm, yeah, if I'm, you know, it, just, it stopped feeling like me. I felt like I was yeah. putting increasingly having to put on a mask right. in order to do this. And I was like that, why am I doing this? That's not the right reason. I'm doing everybody a disservice by, by mm-hmm. doing that. So, right. Well, thank yeah. you for the time you've put into it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so thankful because I got to meet you guys and yeah. a billion other people that have just made my life so much better. So, right. So, yeah, well, do good. you have, um, a story about working with AJ, maybe, um, where you guys had a disagreement that you had to work through or oh, yeah. maybe a funny story, of trying to put something together for the podcast itself. Um, a moment mm-hmm. that you can remember of work, just collaborating with him that you can share. If not, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know that I have a specific mm-hmm. moment, um, but I will say if I could do it all over again, I would be a better communicator mm-hmm. uh, with everything and not underestimate the other person's um, compassion and understanding and willingness to help out. Right. That's, that's been the source of, most of my inner friction with right. everything in my life. Well, I know we're hoping to get you and AJ on together to kind of just discuss podcasting in general. So I don't want to go awesome. into too many details on podcasting and guests and all that stuff. Cause I want to save that for that episode. Um, so let's kind of, you know, one of the things I know you guys talk a lot about on your show um, is having a routine mm. and having, you know, really finding that balance in your life and making sure it's healthy to know, like, you know, staying healthy and, 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 um, you know, having a morning routine and really knowing how to wake up in the morning. Um, can you kind of go through your morning routine and what you do and, and why that, how that helps you throughout the day? Totally. Yeah. This is near and near to my heart because this is, this was a life game changing, life changing thing for me. Uh, you like literally want my morning routine. Yeah. From start to finish. Absolutely. Cool. So this is, it changes every once in a while. It evolves, but this is what it looks like right now. Uh, 5 a.m. up. No snooze. I'm out of bed right away. Uh, I set my. F- <laughs> He's taking <laughs> notes. Take notes. Furiously Sorry. scribbling. Well, I, I, this will be our, our Insta story for next next week. So oh. tips. Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, I was like I'm so flattered. Oh no, never mind. We could be. Uh, <laughs> we could make something out of it, probably. Yeah, and this is going to sound extreme to some people, but I just want to say that this has been many years in the making. So it didn't start out like this, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely gotten to a point where this time is like sacred magic time to me and I wouldn't change it for anything. Right. Because this is the foundation of my life now. Absolutely. So 5 a.m. I'm up. I don't hit the snooze button. My phone's across the room, so I have to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do not let myself get back in bed. I run like for then I chug a big thing of water that I've set out the night before. Right. And I chug it like so I'm uncomfortable. It's this bottle right here, which oh, is okay. probably like 20 ounces, 22 yeah. ounces of water. Say, yeah, probably about 20. Yeah. So I chug that. Uh, then I go to the bathroom, um, relieve myself, uh, stick my head under the sink, splash cold water in my face, mouthwash. Mm-hmm. Um, just get, I find that that's the thing that we're like, okay, now I'm awake. Right. Cold water in the face and like that minty fresh feeling in the mm-hmm. mouth. <laughs> uh, go back to my room. I do a 10 to 15 to 20 minute meditation with Headspace, which mm-hmm. I swear by is a game changing meditation app. And then I will make my bed, go into the kitchen, uh, pour myself a little pre-workout energy drink, Mm -hmm. which takes about 15 to 30 minutes to kick in. And while that's kicking in, I'll do my morning pages. Okay. Uh, By the time those are done and I feel mentally clear and I've sort of, I'll I'll 
lately I've been writing down my sort of big goals in life. Mm-hmm. I'll just rewrite them every single morning. That's a, a Brian Tracy thing. Mm-hmm. He says to do that. And I find it helps sort of center me. And that usually leads to some sort of affirmations. I like to, I have to really work to get myself in the right headspace. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if I'm not diligent and rigorous with like tending to the garden of my mind, mm-hmm. it will become a weed infested, right. just bad place to be. So, uh, I take the time to do that. Then I go do my morning workout. Sometimes it's a swim practice with my team. Sometimes it's a P90X2 or P90X3 workout or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll usually have a smoothie if it's not a fasting day. <laughs> uh, I'll have a smoothie or uh, some sort of you know light breakfast. And then, uh, and then if I have some time after that, I'll do a check-in with my finances. I watch my finances like a hawk. Um, and then... Um, Maybe do some reading and then I jump into the very first task of my day, which I've ideally planned the night before. I've scripted my entire day the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, never goes according to script, but at least I've got a blueprint to follow. Right. So when my mind is not feeling strong, I can at least just go, all right, what's the next set of instructions I need to follow right now? So I find that helps a lot. Yeah. And I'll try and get that first thing, first most important thing out of the day right after my routine is, is done. So my morning ritual, I like to call it, uh, takes about, I would say, between two and two and a half hours all told. Wow. But, uh, you know, I'm up at 5 a.m., which means I'm done with it at 7.30, which is still earlier than I was getting out of bed just a few years ago. So right. I'm getting started on my most important task at 7.30 in the morning. Right. Like, that's fucking huge, man. Yeah. And then I'm done with it by 10. Uh, it's just been, it's life-changing, man. Right. It's huge for me. Well, yeah. I, I previously said this is a re-recording, uh, a re, re-interview um, in a way because we recorded and lost it earlier. Um, since our last conversation where you kind of mentioned this, your morning routine and kind of went through it, I it kind of inspired me to kind of try to build something similar. Oh, awesome. Um, not do, Obviously, I have some outer uh, 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 variables. Op- variables like a kid and stuff like that. So sure, some of yeah. it changes or alters a little bit. But I've tried to add some pillars, I guess, in the morning just to make sure I hit. Um, so usually what I do is I try to get up in the morning. Um, I usually get up around 6.50, 6.45. I get up. Um, usually my kid's up by that time. Usually I'm up because he's waking me up before my alarm goes off. Um, and my first thing is always to give him a hug and let him know mm-hmm. that he's loved. And then uh, he usually pulls me into the kitchen to get him breakfast. Uh, so I'll get him, he'll, he'll usually go to the fridge and he wants to get it himself. So I'll get it to him. Um, my jobs in the morning are to make breakfast and get lunches ready for my wife and me. Um, so I kind of put on, I, I, I get him breakfast and then I drink some water. I got that kind of from you. I I make sure to drink some Mm. water, hydrate myself. I take a minute and just kind of take a few deep breaths, uh, just to just take a moment and like, let everything slow down. So I'm not just like, okay, I got everything. I got to get ready. got to get stuff done. And then depending on if he needs a bath, I'll usually give him a bath first before I start breakfast. And just, I've kind of found this balance based on what the day is and what's going on. And then if something does get in the way, I try not to let it fluster me and just kind of, okay, I'll get that done real quick and then go back to my streamlining. That's awesome. So it's kind of helped me, even though it is a little different, obviously I'm, I'm not going swimming or eating a protein shake. Um, eating a protein or drink, <laughs> drinking a protein shake um there is there has become bar. like a routine yeah. and, and 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 a basic like i put on some music usually in the morning um some upbeat stuff just to help me wake up and kind of get me in a positive mindset and an energetic mindset for the day and i've also started the night before kind of 
writing down things for the next day, yeah. um, which is a little bit influenced by you and also influenced by my wife. So like, just kind of like, these are the things, not like I need to get this done by this time, but these are the things that need to get done the next day. And so thank you for kind of sharing earlier uh, before that, because that's kind of helped me. Oh, that's, come up with that. that's awesome, man. I'm so stoked to hear that. That's yeah. really cool. And it's really, it's yeah. been, it's, it's helpful because it just, it's kind of takes the stress out of the morning because yeah. you're not like, what do I have to do next? Yeah. You kind of already know what the next step is, yeah. which is nice yeah. a little bit. And it helps my wife because she hates an, uh, an insane house. And so yeah. she likes the routine type feeling. So yeah, it, it works out for both of us. <laughs> mornings are the foundation of your life, man. I yeah. truly believe that. And if you start your mornings every morning frantic and sending the message to your subconscious that your day is not worth getting up to by hitting the snooze button over and over, it's mm-hmm. like, you think it's like a small thing, but if it's like, that's your life. And then yeah. if you have a great morning, it's hard to have a bad day. All right, I'm going to throw a softball question at you. It's okay. Easy question. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's, oh, uh, God, it's not like a big, big deal. What does success mean to you? <laughs> sure. My definition, softball, I mean, softball. <laughs> here, yeah, right. Well, if, if I take a page from David H. Lawrence, the 17th book, uh, success is doing more of what works and less of what doesn't where that definition breaks down for me. And this is only because I'm the guy who needs like specific, like clarity and everything where that breaks down for me is what does work mean? Like when you say do more of what works, what does what does that look like? What does, mm. what, how do you know when something's working? Right. So to me, success is, uh, the definition of success is the, um, progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Mm. So something that is important to you continually manifesting, right. Uh, because you showed up to life. That's awesome. Um, and for me that I'm still, you know, like this is why I was concerned about being the most uninspiring guest <laughs> ever because I'm in such a season right now where I have no idea like, right. what, where I'm at or, but I, like I shared earlier, the two most important things to me are, are family and friends. And that looks to me like loving and being loved. Right. And also just doing work that matters in the world. And that's kind of as specific as I can get. But if I can go to bed at night and say, I feel loved, I gave love and I made the world a better place by doing something that only Trevor could do. Mm-hmm. If I did that today on right. some small way, then, then I think I'm winning. Well, that's kind of as far as I can go right now. I think kind of going off that, I think, you know, if you look at success, not as this big overarching point, like a ceiling, like I hit this moment in my life as a one time thing, as maybe like goals where you have short term goals. So maybe you have short term successes. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the success today is that you met a new person and made a new friend or you made somebody smile or you finished that paper that you were trying to write, you know, finding those small successes throughout the day that you can be proud of and not yeah. just thinking I lived today. Yeah. 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 You know? I, I guess that, yeah, I see a difference between success and goals. Right. right. No, know? absolutely. Like, yeah. But I think, but I think you have to look at also like success as achieving something. Sure. You know, and, and, yeah. if, and if you can break it down like that, maybe success doesn't feel so like scary in a way as a big, have I reached success? Yeah. Well, yeah, you've reached success every day. Yeah, yeah. Just maybe not the success. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, there's always wins. If it, it, yeah. all, it all depends on what what frequency you're, you've tuned your radio into. You know, like David Allen, who's a who wrote that book, Getting Things Done, which right. is sort of amazing to me. Um, he has a there's a great podcast for like, getting things done, and he he has a great episode that came out recently, and he talks about the reticular activating system, which is the part of your brain that's responsible for filtering out all the billions of bits of information that are coming at your senses every mm-hmm. single moment. Right. And uh he takes people through an interesting exercise in this most recent podcast, which is like an excerpt from a talk he gave, but he says like 
everybody in the room, close your eyes. No, no. What was it? He said, he said, uh, I want you to notice the color red around the room. Mm-hmm. Like just, just look around the room real fast. Notice the color red. Great. See it. Close your eyes. Now tell me where, you know, in your mind where the color red was. You see it everywhere. Now open your eyes. Shit. I'm already screwing this up. Anyway, the idea was, <laughs> it was like, notice where the red is. Great. Close your eyes. Now tell me where the blue is. And everyone's like, oh, I don't know where the blue is. It's like, yeah, but there's blue everywhere. You just weren't looking for it. So it mm. all has to do with what you're, you've tuned your, you've trained your brain to look for. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's fascinating, man. I mean, I think that that could potentially change the world if you could get most people on board with that idea. But it's so easy just to go on autopilot, you know? Right. Well, there's uh, Michael recently mentioned um, on, I guess, on Stitcher. I'm sure it's on iTunes as well. um, An NPR podcast where they had an episode about slowing down. And and yeah, it's a TED Talk radio or something like that. And basically it's about slowing down and 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 not living life so frantically and, and taking those moments. And, and so I, if something maybe you might be interested in listening to. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's my jam right down, now. down your path. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's kind of just to re- kind of slowly wrap up. Yeah. Um, you know, what are some struggle? I'm going to kind of bring these in together. What are some struggles that you've kind of overcome here in LA personally that you feel like have made you a better person um, that maybe were a little tough if you don't mind sharing and and at the same time, how do you feel you create a healthy environment to assist you in overcoming obstacles? Wow! Again, um, softball questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, so there's two main parts to that the first was mm-hmm. was is there a, like a particular struggle maybe in that you've had since you moved to L.A. that you were able to overcome? Yeah. Uh, when I first got to L.A. And I'm still, to be completely honest, I'm still dealing with this many years later. Um, I got involved with an acting coach that got the wrong idea about me. And uh, it was about the work at the beginning. And he really, um, I think he was a good guy in in his heart. I don't think he under, I don't think he saw himself as doing anything immoral. Um, But he, you know, got the wrong idea about me. I think developed, I know developed some feelings towards me and, used the the work the craft of acting to sort of get into my head and uh as a 22 year old guy I was pretty impressionable and eager and easily sort of manipulated and um before I knew it it had become a relationship that I wasn't I was coerced I was I was coerced and um I'm still dealing with the sort of ramifications of like some of the things I did in the name of you know becoming a more honest better you know more authentic actor and uh, when I finally extricated myself from that situation, uh, it really took the wind out of my sails for for acting. And I spent a long time being angry at him, a long time being angry at myself for letting it happen. Um, and uh, I've been on a journey ever since then of just like, how can I develop like radical compassion for this man and for myself and for this journey and the person that I'm becoming? And and I would say that 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 time in my life really helped inform a lot of the way I have learned to approach life and art. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's kind of as specific as I think I can get right no, now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, what do you feel makes a create a healthy environment for you? For me, uh, I think this comes from my swimming years mm-hmm. is structure. There's freedom and structure. Like when I don't plan my day out and when I don't, um, 
have a some sort of set goal or ritual or routine to stick to. Like I make a goal for myself every year to do 300 workouts. And I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, whoa, Mr. Type A, like control freak, you know. Mm-hmm. But for me, I get to see whether or not I'm on track with something I say is important to me mm-hmm. by how many times am I showing up to do this every week. Yeah. And when I get my workout done, my whole life is so much more playful because I know I've handled the things that are important to me. Whereas if I don't do it, I'm just stuck in this gray fog of like, something's not right. I need to be doing something. I don't know what, but I don't want to do it because it's hard. And so it's like, there is so much freedom in play within a, a disciplined approach to life. Like the saying is life is hard if you live it the easy way and easy if you live it the hard way. I find that so true. And I find new levels to that the older I get. Right. You know, now at this phase of my life, it's about the hard way means doing things that are scary and risky towards you, not doing things that you're too lazy, that you think you're too lazy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Before it was like putting routines in place. Now it's like, no, now you've got to go take out, take risks. Right. Talk to that girl that you're intimidated by, you know, uh, ask for that raise or ask or go after that job, make that move, whatever it is. Gotcha. Now I know you, uh, you guys have two, uh, uh, famous final questions on inside acting. Yeah. Um, I just want to kind of borrow those for a moment. Uh, did this with AJ as well. Um, did the, this career choose you or did you choose it? Well, uh, it's questionable how invested I am in the career at this point, but I would, I, I felt chosen by it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a woo woo kind of new agey. There is a higher power at work right. here. I feel very, uh, in tune with something like that. I don't know what it is. I don't identify with a faith or belief system. Mm-hmm. I just know that, I'm not an accident. I'm not alone. None of us are accidents. I look around and I see God and everything Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Right. Uh, uh, So I feel, I feel chosen, but at this point I also feel supported no matter what I choose to do from here on. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And uh, if you could give our listeners a golden nugget of wisdom, what would it be? I'm going to steal this from Darren Petty, who we interviewed in the show many years ago. He said his answer to this question was wear life like a loose garment. Ooh. And I have like meditated on that for so many years and just keep having little epiphanies about it. Yeah. Uh, wear life like a loose garment. Be able to laugh at yourself. Um, say yes. You're going to regret the things you didn't do more than things. You, you know, all this sort of standard life stuff, but also just be flexible. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, life is good, man. If you've got money in the bank, food in the fridge, and you have a body that works and people that love you, you are winning big time like i think in america we get depressed and down on ourselves because our society is built to train us to want better more faster mm-hmm. when dude we have it so made we have it right. so made and there's so much available to us in every moment and if you can just cultivate that sense of of uh being in each moment i sound like such a californian right now <laughs> but there's so much there man and my meditation practices and you're from philly right <laughs> i know you never would have thought I, I am the person i swore i would never be when i moved to la i was like i'll never be a vegan You've i'll never the philly do name. yoga and meditate i'll never have lunch with my agent like what the and now i do all those things, and, all I, those and, things. and i swear by them so yeah well thank uh, you so yeah. much for that that's fantastic i i, I have to say you are just a joy to talk to. And this has been a fantastic conversation. And literally, if, if we could, I could go another hour because you just, you're just 
that interesting. And I, I feel like we could talk about millions of other things. Oh, um, thanks, man. Well, hey, feeling's very mutual. And what you guys are doing is awesome. Thank I'm you. I'm so really much. honored to be here. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug right now? Anything going on? I know you're kind of, like you said, you're in a transition period, but anything, uh, I know you do the classes, the voiceover classes. Where can people find you for those? Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in voiceover, check it out. VO, the number two, mm-hmm. gogo.com. Right. Um, you can do a slash start after that if you want to try a free class. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been awesome. And um, that's all I got, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm dipping more into music. Um, if you want to keep in touch with any of that stuff, I'm on social media. It's just my name, Trevor Algott, uh, A-L-G-A-T-T. And of course, my website is just at a dot net after that, TrevorAlgott.net, if you want to get my newsletter. And you're also inside acting. Uh, you 302 episodes, you can listen to Trevor. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to do five or six more and then yeah. I'm going to probably step away and, right. and uh, we'll see what happens after that. Hey, yeah. Well, you know what, whatever, wherever you land, I'm sure it's going to be the right spot for you. So yeah, uh, best so. of luck to wherever you go. And before we go, uh, a fun thing we like to do in this podcast, uh, before Facebook and after Friendster, there was a wonderful space that people wasted their time called MySpace. And where your top six or top eight was the most important thing in life. And if you weren't in your friend's top eight, you were mad as hell. I remember that. And oh, it took forever for people's profiles to load because what if God was one of us had to load as well for their background <laughs> song. Uh, yeah. Also on this place was a ton of quizzes where you could waste time with questions that meant nothing. And mm. you didn't have to put any detail. This is what all. those numbers were. Wasn't yep. it? I asked you to give me six numbers earlier and uh, oh. you had no idea what they were for. They are, I have a 167 MySpace quiz, uh, question MySpace quiz, and you pick six numbers. You have not seen these questions. Is that correct? I, I have no idea. Yeah, these are rapid fire things. <laughs> maybe, maybe 10 years ago, yeah. you may have seen these questions. Oh, jeez. So, Mr. Algot, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? Oh, God. Pressure's on. Bring no, it. Bring no it. Need to, the best part about this, there's no need to elaborate, which I love about it because you can answer something that's kind of like, wait, I need to know more about this. Okay. And and, and, it, and you don't tell us any more about it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Your first question is, have you ever dated someone twice? I don't understand the question. Like gone on two dates with somebody or? Just, have you ever dated someone twice? Whatever you feel that means. Yes. Yeah. All absolutely. Right, cool. Yeah. I, 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 I think it means have you like broken up? Dated again. Oh, God. Yeah. How, how, I, how yeah. I look at it. I can't decide on anything in my life. So that's <laughs> definitely happened. Do you have any tattoos? No. Oh, simple question. What was your first vacation uh, that you can remember? Ocean City, New Jersey. Oh, with nice. my family. And next question What do you believe your most recent ex thinks about you? Oh, geez. <laughs> how much more time do we have? <laughs> uh, okay. I'll try and be quick. I believe. She uh, thinks that I am um, passionate and confused. All right. Nice. I like that. <laughs> I'm never. People listen to this like, okay, cross that guy off the list. <laughs> do not date him. Do you, think, do you think it's cute when a girl calls you baby? No. All right. And your final question of your, <laughs> see, this was great about it. It's just these one word answers that you could elaborate on completely, but you don't. And it's amazing. Your last question of your MySpace quest, Trevor Algott is, have you ever broken something expensive? Yes. All right. And that's your MySpace <laughs> quiz with Trevor Algott. Trevor, thank you so much for being with us. This has been fantastic. I can't wait to get you and AJ in the same room to discuss podcasting in general and give some tips out there to people maybe thinking about starting a podcast and uh, how, how we 
struggle to do it <laughs> as best as we can. Uh, but thank you. This has been a joy to talk to you and, and you're just, you're literally the best. So thank you Can't so much. Wait. Thank you guys. And, and thank you for what you're doing. It's uh, really been an honor. Hey, it's, yeah. it's our, it's Keep our, up the it's awesome. our honor and pleasure. Keep up the awesome work because good things are ahead for you guys. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. we were inspired by you guys. So you guys, you guys are definitely the, the jumping point. Nice. So, uh, thank you guys for listening and back to you guys in the studio. Welcome back, everyone. Wow, there is so much uh, that we can talk about here in our outro discussion of this uh, second half of Act One with Trevor Algott. Um, one of the things that just kind of leaps out to me, and I mean, this is something that Trevor also talks about extensively throughout the entire Inside Acting uh, podcast, is that there is strength and power in vulnerability. As he put it in the first uh part of his interview that he just can't fake it anymore. And I think it's so easy in a market like Los Angeles to only ever show your good side and to not let others know about maybe the the bumps that you're hitting in the road. And I just so appreciate his honesty and his openness. Uh, Daniel says it many times in the interview you just heard, but I, I was sitting there the entire time uh, during this discussion, and there were parts that I had to edit out of this interview where that I had to just respond to some of the truth that he was giving because he was just giving out so much wisdom and, again, being vulnerable, sharing more with us, not only about his transitioning away from acting, but as he announced on this episode, that he's also going to be stepping away from inside acting the podcast that he has been running for the past several years with AJ Meyer. Uh, and we really were the first people to know outside of those of you who listened to their podcast. Uh, he had released the episode that they announced his exit right after this interview with us. So, and as someone who's been listening to inside acting for all these years, uh, not going to lie. There was a moment of, sadness I guess but then I realized the moment that, that I felt it I was also so excited for him because sure I enjoy listening to his podcast but I value Trevor so much more than just a podcast host I care about him as 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 a human being as as a fellow creative in this industry and I am so excited for what's coming up for him in this next chapter of his life, whatever it may be. But I think one thing that's clear in all of the success that Trevor has experienced during his, I believe it was 13 or more years here in Los Angeles, that you will find success by just being vulnerable, by being honest, by being yourself, and just asking. That's the other key thing that it is just so important to sometimes just ask, whether it's for help or whether it's as an actor maybe reaching out to a friend to see how they book representation, or if maybe they can get you a referral, or inviting others to read something that you've been writing and that you need constructive criticism on. It's okay to ask, because what's the worst thing that they're going to say? No? So what? It's There's so many more opportunities, but at least you know. And I think Trevor is just a clear example of what you can gain, the wisdom that you can gain by just asking and by being open. So 
just first off, wanted to say thank you so much. And also Trevor's definition of success. The definition of success is the progressive succession of a worthy ideal, something that is important to you that can continually manifest itself because you showed up to life. Wow. (laughs) I think that is so key to having a healthy idea of success, especially the life of an artist where it can feel so lonely and feel like sometimes that it's just you out there. But if you can just remind yourself that you're working towards this bigger picture that you've created for yourself and that just by showing up, you are already enacting some of those hopes and dreams that you have. That just by showing up and trying and sometimes failing, as as Trevor also mentioned, fail forward, that just by showing up and working hard towards whatever worthy ideal that you have, whether it's whether it's these kids protesting against uh, gun lobbies and uh, the government for their inaction of gun regulations, or whether it's working on a film like uh, Jordan uh, on the Wasteland Tale. Just keep working at it and you will find happiness and you will find success. Now, during this interview, Trevor talks about the reticular activating system that was the filter that your brain uses as it's receiving billions of bits of input, you can call it, throughout all of your nerves. And I followed up with the... uh, the specific uh, philosopher that he's discussing in that moment, uh, a gentleman by the name of David Allen, and he has a podcast called Getting Things Done. And in his recent episode, The Power of Outcome Thinking, uh, that's where he talks about this idea of a filter and uh, tuning in to certain pieces of information. And I just wanted to share with you a quote that David Allen gives uh, during his episode. The music is not on the radio but you got a dial and you can change the channel. And, and then he also says, start noticing what you notice. So the, the, the big learn here is, and that what Trevor was also alluding to, is that the knowledge and ideas that you want to have are available to you learning and receiving those. The, the knowledge is there before you think that you want to seek it out. The ideas and the inspiration that you're waiting to have to write that next script or poem they're already available in the universe you just have to shift your focus to receive it again start noticing what you notice Uh, i just wanted to have a final piece on the other uh, big thing that trevor helps unpack for us uh, in this interview and that's the power of the morning ritual Now, Trevor goes into deep detail, as you guys heard, and it is just so impressive. But it's important to stress that it's taken him years to get to this level, to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and to go and have his workout and all of the smoothies that he drinks and to to get all to get that structure takes years. And I will admit, I have tried having a morning ritual and I've failed I, I I tried, I remember it was over a year ago, I tried just right out the gate waking up at 5.30 a.m. to work on a script that Daniel and I were working on at the time, and the first morning I woke up and I was so energized and I 
I got up and I stretched and I drank some water and, and, and then I sat down and I was writing on this outline and I just felt so good. And then I, you know, thought I could do it the next day. And the next morning I woke up 5.30, 5.45 and was feeling a little bit more tired and the thoughts that I was trying to work on in the script weren't coming as clearly. And by the third day, I had slept past my alarm and I essentially crashed and burned. So it's important that I think it, I think a morning ritual is important, but I think it's also important that you take your time crafting that ritual. And I think it's also, I think you can adjust it. I think it can be for those of us who have full-time jobs. I, I work in a medical office. So fitting in that time right before I have to rush out the door and drive to Century City, it, that can be difficult. So maybe it's an evening ritual, getting getting the stress away from the day and getting focused and planning what you can do either that night or maybe the next day to set up your goals and get things done. Uh, something that I have been doing recently, uh, I've been, for the past week now, I have been consistently making sure that I wake up either at uh, 7 a.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays because that works with my work schedule or 7.30 a.m. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and no matter what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, weekends, it's time to sleep in, right? No, I've been making sure to wake up at 7.30 every single morning. And I also drink a giant bottle of water and splash some water on my face to make sure I'm awake. Also, the advice of having your cell phone across the room so that you have to get out of bed to turn off the alarm. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's definitely helped me wake up. I've started uh, journaling more, and that's really helped get some of the thoughts that have been stuck in my head out and help make me feel more clear. I recently downloaded a meditation app called Headspace. Uh, it is available on Apple and Android, and the, you get the first 10 meditations free, and I'm currently uh, in... I just completed day five of my meditation cycle. Granted, and this is where I'm still working on it, I haven't been doing it consistently. Uh, it'll be every day or every other day. And I mean, I've only reached day five and I've ha been trying to do this now for two weeks. So I know I could be better at this, but that's okay. Meditation is all about working towards it and just trying to observe and bring it back in and focus on breath. So it's really helped me kind of calm my inner chatterbox and really just clear my head, get centered, and get positive, really. So that's been my morning ritual so far. Uh, I, as it continues to, to grow and become more precise, that's my goal as well, be more precise and more consistent, I will let you guys know. But if you have a morning ritual... Uh, we'd love to hear about it, or if you have an idea of what you want your mornings or evenings to look like, shoot us your ideas. Uh, you can send us via email, hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. As, as you can hear, definitely from Trevor, from Daniel, and now myself, this works. And I think it's a, a very healthy, natural, and simple way to create success from the start of the day. Also, if you have any questions or thoughts or wishes that you would like to send Trevor, 
please shoot those over again via email, hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. We'll get them over to Trevor, and we're going to be having him on again uh, here at the podcast here. We're going to have a roundtable, hopefully with uh, his co-host, AJ Meyer, to have a whole inside podcasting discussion. Uh, it'll be a fun Team Hustle episode, and we can't wait to bring that with you. So, And we can ask him your questions then. We would also greatly appreciate it if you left us a review on whatever platform you may be listening to us on, but especially over at iTunes. The more reviews we receive will help us go up in the charts. And of course, we hope it's a five-star review, but honestly, we will just be filled with so much gratitude that you took the time to leave us some love. So, thank you. You can also follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at LA Hustlecast, and on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Hollywood Hustle podcast. Now, next week in episode 47, we continue to interview the team over at Inside Acting Podcast, and this time we sit down with their marketing manager, who is a Los Angeles-based actress, model, activist, and bookworm, Grace Gordon. Like Trevor, she too hails from Philadelphia, and we cover her journey to Los Angeles, breaking down her acting and modeling career. Until then, please remember that your qualifications to succeed in your art is that you are enough. You have what it takes and that there is strength and vulnerability and that whatever idea or inspiration you're waiting to start, know that it's already out there in the universe. You just have to tune your radio to the right channel. So thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, keep up the hustle. This episode was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Gordon Meacham is our associate producer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information, visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. Hollywood Hustle Podcast.